You're listening to the Coach and Joe podcast, conversations on friendship with God. Welcome to the Coach and Joe podcast, a podcast dealing with walking in friendship with God. And Joe is still suffering in Hawaii. Never heard of an intern taking a three-week vacation to Hawaii. Hope he's doing okay. We need to pray for him. With me today is one of the all-time greats, one of my best friends. He's my brother, Brian Schwartz, played NFL football six years? Five years. Five years, Jacksonville Jaguars. Grew up in South Dakota, but many of you know him as uh, just part of my life. He's been at the Table Conference the last two years, and I'm just looking forward to interviewing you on your story today. One of his seven children, Grady, is here with us. And so I just want to jump in with you, Schwartzy, and I want people to know your story. And it's obviously common to me and you. We've, I've heard you tell it so many times, but I, I want people to be able to hear your story because now you're in a place where you've been identified as a prophet in the fivefold. Uh, your gift is unusual. Yesterday you ministered, ministered to the staff. The staff meeting went three hours long. The gift you carry is significant. But let's go back before you knew anything on, on that stuff. <laughs> there was no revelation on fivefold. Uh, you were married to Diane. Yeah, you playing for the Jaguars, lost as a blind goose. <laughs> I want people to hear your story of how you came to Jesus uh, with yeah. the Jaguars. Yeah, so Chad, I came in. First of all, it's awesome to be uh, with you, your staff. Everybody's so great, and uh, appreciate you and your friendship. And um, yeah, so uh, I was the story got plucked out of nowhere. Um, honestly, had a dream in my heart when I was little about playing ball actually had dreams about that, you know, probably the prophetic well before I understood yeah. any of it. Uh, ended up going to a tiny little D2 school. The Jaguars took a, a shot on me as a Division two linebacker. Uh, Coach Coughlin drafted me in 95. We'd gotten married the, the, a few months before that. Uh, go through my rookie season. So I have everything. I'm talking everything that I ever dreamed of having. Now I've got it. And... Meanwhile, everything that should have mattered to me uh, didn't, and that included my marriage. I was a mess. Uh, uh, Diane will tell you, she can attest to that. I did not know how to be a husband. I, I knew how to hit people on the field. Uh, anger in football was, a, was an asset, but in my marriage, it, it was messing things up. I had a lot of inner turmoil. Um, honestly, throughout most of my life, just searching, not even knowing what I'm searching for. Uh, thought it was the the football thing. Go through my rookie year. Uh, I had an amazing. Honestly, it was an amazing year. I, I had 169 tackles as a rookie. Started nine games. Was getting all rookie votes. All this stuff is happening. And uh, meanwhile, the ship's sinking at home. Now we're pregnant with our first. Uh, uh, I'm terrified about being a dad. I've got all these colliding thoughts. Uh, God was not on the radar at all, except as a curse word. Uh, that I would use creatively. Before uh, you get to the the good part that's coming up, did you know the ship was sinking? Uh, yeah, but I always the way I escaped it was anger, frustration, going out, partying. Okay. Uh, I was an escaper and had all this guilt and shame, and so you're just you're trying to deal and manage that. Uh, but intuitively, I knew it. I got to the end of my rookie year. I remember coming in, we'd just beaten the Cleveland Browns, one of our four victories that yep. year. Yep. And uh, I had a great game, um, but I sat in front of my locker uh, almost paralyzed. I just sat for about 25 minutes 
uh, asking myself inter- internally, going, man, is this it? You know, I just, uh, and then now the season's over. What does this mean? And so fast forward into May, uh, she's pregnant, due really at any moment with our first baby. You know, it should be one of the most exciting times of my life. And honestly, I'm terrified about being a dad. Um, my dad and I have a good relationship now, but growing up, it was, it was, I would describe it more as just distant and and absent. Um, good man worked hard. I mean, there's so many things inside of me that I inherited from my dad that are so good and, and amazing. Uh, but relationally there just was a disconnect. So I've got all these, 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 uh, worlds colliding. It culminated one day I was out golfing. You, you would love this. I, I got a new set of clubs from Wilson. You know, they, 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 I had a glove deal with them, and they sent me some new custom clubs. And I was actually getting better and better. My swing was bad, but my timing was good. You know how golf yep. works. And But that, that little extra length in, in the clubs threw me off big time. Well, Diane, was she was out golfing with me, just watching. Just We were just going to have what was supposed to be a nice day. I start melting down on, like, hole six. And when I say melting down, I'm not just missing shots. I'm chucking clubs. I'm breaking stuff. I'm punching stuff. I'm kicking stuff right there on the golf course. And so Diane just had it. Uh, literally leaves me on the golf course, takes the golf cart, goes home, locks herself in the bathroom. Uh, I'm fuming mad at this point. I get home. I'm pounding on the door, uh, probably cursing her out. And she just through that bathroom door, she goes, I will not come out unless you go to the Bible study at Mark Burnell's house. And Mark was our quarterback. So, I mean, that did not help matters. That made me more upset. And uh, let, me, let me ask you this. Have you, ever, when you look back before you get to the Bible study part, and it's okay if, it, if you can't, but can you see him wooing you even in the middle of the anger? Like, can you, could you see any of the, set up, if you will, from God? I can look back and see it all over the place. Everything from the college I went to, I can't describe for you, Chad, there were people in college that would were getting drunk with me, but were Christians. I know some people hear stuff like yeah. that, and they're like, huh. but they were just in a season in their life where, I mean, come on. You're 18, 19 years old. They were old. dropping things on you? And they were pouring into me. Like, like <laughs> uh, on the road, I'm not yeah. kidding you, on the road, my roommate was one of the strongest Christians on our team. And okay, that, I you, think, you see I, what I'm saying? There's yes. all these little little things. And um, I remember going to one Bible study. I was at a little Lutheran school, so I always had to take Bible class. Okay. And so I, I remember take, the, the professor would always leave the room, and we were taking a test, and it was asking about Jesus, was he Jewish? And I remember out loud going to a girl sitting next, was Jesus Jewish? And she goes, no, he was, he was uh, Lutheran. <laughs> <laughs> and so I write Lutheran down on my test. <laughs> She's now a Lutheran pastor and <laughs> uses that story as an illustration. <laughs> But I, 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 there was an exposure at, at some level, ended up at a Bible study in college, and I honestly was searching. I, I'd gotten in some trouble. I, I was a fighter, and I'd gotten a, a, a arrested one time, and so I was kind of searching, and Diane was Catholic, so I'd sometimes go to the Catholic church with her on a, on a Sunday when I meet, needed my laundry done at her mom and dad's house. You know, that's how I worked, and, and, and so there were moments, but... Um, I ended up at that Bible study. I sat in the back of that room, 
and they were they were singing they had a goose acoustic guitar lifting their hands and I remember sitting there internally just mocking though like there was this thing in me that was like these are the same guys that go get drunk with me and, and the, you know so yeah. for me it was like it doesn't work so yeah. I need something that works so fast forward my rookie year Mark Burnell okay okay I'm watching this guy <laughs> and I I heard he was a Christian, but Chad, I don't understand what a Christian means. Yeah. I I don't know all I I had no clue what who Jesus was, what he had done. I didn't understand any of that. But I watched Mark live this life, the same world I was in. But he seemed to have peace. Um, he befriended me. He was just a good dude, and we golfed together. We hung out. We spent time over at his house. So when Diane goes. Hey, I will not come out unless you go to Bible study at Mark Burnell's house. You can see how God, I can look back and go, man, even through Burnell, just living something out. He wasn't perfect and his wife wasn't perfect, but they were a tangible expression of something that was real. And so when she said his house, even though it, it made me extremely angry that she thought she was better than me, you know, that that's how I took everything. I was a defensive, angry man and super insecure. So when she says Bible study, you need to go to Bible study. I was like, well, you need to go too. You're just as jacked up as I am. That's my thought. And uh, get out of the doghouse. I agreed to go. And man, it was torment from the time she got out of the bathroom. (laughs) I was sweating, you know, sweating this thing out because uh, on the way over, even driving over there, I'm going, man, if there's one guy God hates, not just dislikes, it's got to be me. What? What? Were you scared going in there? Oh, my goodness. Give me the setting. Was it in the den? Where was no, this? No, it was in his, kind of his, it was almost like an open area coming into his home. Okay. And uh, on the way over, I'm just internally terrified because okay. I felt like I was going to get exposed. You know you're describing most people that just come to church. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I sit in church now, and I, I will watch people come in, and I can tell they've there literally one girl came in. She was terrified. An usher was trying to seat her close, and she's like, "No, no, no! I need to go to the back." You, you know, <laughs> and that's how I was. I, I can understand that. I mean, it, it, I look. I remember even just talking about it. I, I can remember all those little moments. And what shocked me most when I pulled up to Burnell's house was there were all a bunch of other cars I recognized, and these were all my guys that I ran and partied with. Like they literally were all at this Bible study and none of them had been there before. I hadn't been there before. I wonder, I mean, I know God did it, but I wonder why that night everybody showed up. You know, I think it was Mark's wife, Stacy. It's probably the wives behind y'all's back. I'm telling you, it's, it's how it all, they, they, and Stacy, Mark's wife was uh, in the, I guess in the process of sanctification, she still had some rough edges. I'll put, is that a nice political yeah. way of saying that? She, she had some areas where with Diane, it, she was friends with Diane, and she wasn't weird and Christianese, and she was just real. And so I think Stacy had flown a minister in. Like Mark and Stacy were supposed to lead the study, but she got so scared, she flew an evangelist in from Texas, I think without Mark even knowing. You remember his name? Uh, Greg Ball. Greg Ball. Yep. And so she had gone and rallied all the ladies going, I'm going to be in so much trouble with Mark if you guys don't come. Oh, okay. Because I flew this guy in. Jehovah's sneaky. Uh, exactly. And so I'm going, 
I, I see all these guys here, and I know what we do when we get together. I'm going, man, Bible study might not be that bad of a deal. <laughs> this could be fun. And uh, walk in, and, and it, it's pretty clear from the start that uh, it was just like I walked into an atmosphere I'd never felt before. Uh, I don't know how to, I can use that word now. Back then, it just felt different. Um, then this guy gets up and starts preaching, and it was, you know, I read in the scriptures how those guys walking with Jesus, how their hearts burned. Uh, that this, was him? Th- that was him. I mean, when this guy preached, uh, he and his the, the message was out of Revelation 3.16. It wasn't a light, hey, Jesus loves you. It was hot, cold, because you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. That was the message. You know, it's interesting, though, the audience he had that night, that's the language that you guys could swallow. Absolutely. And, and when I, so I didn't know what that scripture meant. All I knew is that if, if the lukewarm discuss God, I can't imagine how disgusting I am. <laughs> That's how I was feeling in that moment. And that was the gospel. But, but he didn't just, he didn't just settle there. He began to describe this Jesus that, um, not only came, but it was almost, he, he described it in a way it was like, he didn't just come for me. It was like, he came as me and took my, you know, I, all that language of took my place all. And it was the first time in my life where I was confronted with all my junk, but I, I felt so loved and that's what got me. I, I didn't feel that, that, uh, rejection that I had felt from myself and from others. And uh, that was the beginning of encountering love. It, it was an encounter with love. It wasn't an encounter with, it was the living, it was this word that came alive. As this guy released it, my heart started burning. And I saw all my junk. I, in a moment, Chad, I'm not kidding you, I saw all the people I hurt. I could feel it. But it was the first time I could face it, because I never wanted to face any of that. I'd done so many things wrong and hurt so many people. And, and abused just using my position, using everything. I just had done so many things. So I never wanted to face that. That night I had to face it, but I felt loved. And that's what got me. I was like, this has to be real. He does a little altar call, you know, with a bunch of us meatheads. We're, we're sitting in that room with our wives and girlfriends, and, and uh, I'm, I'm crying. Um, I'm keeping my eyes closed. Last thing I want to do is see what my buddies. Are, are, are thinking. And so I've got my eyes closed. He says, I want you to stand up if you want Jesus. And so I just popped up and my wife popped up and everybody in that room popped up. All my, my buddies, all of us pop up. Really, He leads us through, I guess what is called the sinner's prayer. I, I just repeated after him, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know protocol. Um, and I felt better, but I went up to him after the meeting had broken. Um, I went up to him, and I'm just crying, the, the preacher, and I said, I don't know about anything else you said, but I need this Jesus. I need him really bad. What do I do? And he goes, pray. And, you know, I'm, I'm a 6'3", 250-pound middle linebacker crying in front of a professional yep. minister. I'm yep. like, what are you talking about? You pray. You're, you're the pro here. Help me out. And he's like, no, just just, just." What's on your heart? Did you have a Catholic uh, paradigm at all? No? Just through Diane. Okay. You know, she did, and and I went to some Catholic, you know, stumbled into some services. Did you Uh, pray right there? I did, and here's what leapt out of me. It uh, It was, Lord, this better be so real that I don't go back. 
uh, because Chad, for me to walk out of that moment and go back, I know it, to be the same guy, I was depressed. I was angry. I mean, how, how unsettling when you've got everything that should, should make you happy and you're miserable. I was suicidal in my thinking, uh, at times I wanted just to die. And, and, and so my prayer was, it has to be real. And, and man, I, the lights, did, you know, heavens didn't open up, an angel didn't descend, you know, none of that. But I can tell you this, something I'd never felt in my whole life, and it was love and it was peace. It was the first time in my life I experienced peace. Uh, let's, because um, we're going to do three podcasts today. This is part one. Let's do this. Uh, let's take, let me give you three or four minutes. Someone listening to this that is even in Christ and still deals with the same hopelessness, perhaps even suicidal thoughts. What do you say to somebody that is at the end of themselves and not sure what to do? Yeah, I mean, having experienced myself in that, nobody can just go, hey, get over it, toughen up. You know, I, I, I tried every tactic to bust out of that stuff. I would say this, the despair, Romans 2, 4 says this, the kindness of God leads to repentance. Yeah. And people have to encounter the reality that God is so kind and so good that in my, I know in my lowest point, I walked in there a hater of God, miserable, feeling like an awful husband, most of that depression and angst comes from feeling like you're not good enough, you're not significant, you don't matter, you don't measure up, and you could be in a world where you're totally accepted, but internally you feel completely rejected. And I know for me, what I would say to somebody going through that, first things first, I understand completely what that feels like. It's like a prison. But... Don't let the darkness keep you keep you stuck. Like even though you're in prison, if you could just dare to believe that God is that good, that that not only what you haven't done or have done, none of that. It doesn't. It's not that it doesn't matter. It's not significant as He relates to us. He's not bound by our depression. He's not stuck in our depression, and His willingness to pursue even when we're hiding, is is the key. And the willingness to just dare to peek your head out and go, God, if you're real. My, my prayer wasn't a real prayer. It's like, you better be real. This better be real. And I, I encourage people to, to actually pray prayers like that. Like, reveal yourself. You don't have to, but if you're real and this is real, it better be so real I don't go back to normal. And that was the first step. And I think that's where you take your first step is the admission that just because I'm in prison, just because I'm in darkness, it's, it's what I said yesterday to the group. Just because something's lost doesn't mean it's lost its value. And I feel like most people that feel like they don't have direction, don't know where they're going, they feel like they're they're garbage, they're junk. And God actually, when he sees something lost, he he, you look at Luke 15, he's like that woman turning every bit of furniture over in the room just to find one little coin. 
and, and usually when something's lost, it actually has more value. And that's what I would say. It starts with understanding that lostness, actually, those are the exact ones that he said he came for. I'd love for you to speak a blessing over people listening to us, that that would be a reality in their lives. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do. As you're, as you're listening, I just do. I agree that um, that you might be just like me searching. Uh, let me tell you something. Our, our God that we serve is constantly pursuing. I speak a blessing over you as you're listening today that you would encounter what I encounter. And if he did it in me, he can do it in you. That you would encounter his presence in the form of his love, his kindness, and his goodness. And from this day forward, uh, you would feel courage rise up in you to actually step out of that cave, out of that prison, and dare to test his goodness. Test a minute. Step out and just start talking. Release, release that thing out of your mouth. And we do. We agree that you are blessed and you are found in him. You've been listening to Coach and Joe. For more information and additional content, please visit bridgewaynetwork.org.